0: It was July 1991, and the song was inescapable. Unmistakable from its opening riff, its soaring whiskey-throated vocals, and the forthright declaration of its chorus. Wait, this describes two songs. Everything I Do, I Do It For You, which seems to have misplaced its parentheses, and the song we're actually talking about. Right Here, Right Now was one of Alternative Music's first breakout hits. It simmered for a while as a late-night MTV staple and then broke out into the mainstream. Unlike nearly every other hit song of 1991, it was about current events. This song felt smart. Today on Hidden Jukebox, Right Here, Right Now, released in 1990, but a number two hit for Jesus Jones in 1991.
1: You do know that the reason that it was number two and not a number one hit is because the song Everything I Do, I Do It For You was number one.
0: Of course. Yeah. That's what gave me the idea to use it as a joke in the intro.
1: Okay, just wanted to make sure. Um,
0: Uh, And I believe I believe it uh, uh, like unbelievable by EMF was was like number three that week and then it hit number one either right before or right after that.
1: Yeah, Uh, it it gets lumped in in the same category as this because I I wanted to talk about that 1990 1991 was this really interesting transition period for rock music in general. Uh, the hairband uh, metal era of the 80s was kind of ending. Grunge started more or less in 91. Like, the bands existed before that, but they weren't mainstream. Sure. And music seemed to be... This type of music was trying to find its identity. And uh, Jesus Jones gets classified as alternative dance music, if you look it up online. And they, they get lumped in with, like, EMF, but also... Prodigy and later New Order, Chemical Brothers, even Bjork is in there. Yeah. And it's like these bands kind of fell into the alternative category as a lot of random things got lumped in there, but this seemed to predate it.
0: Yeah, well, I think what what most of the bands you mentioned had in common and what I think was like a defining characteristic of alternative music just before grunge was their English.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, this yeah. is
0: like the cool music that kids listened to in England was was kind of the pitch. Right. That's what, you know, they Dave Kendall, like a cool kid from England who is probably 36 years old, uh, hosted 120 Minutes and like introduced us to all these bands from England that you need to know.
1: Here's uh, how out of touch I was or apparently wasn't allowed to stay up late enough to watch 120 Minutes. I thought that Matt Pinfield was the only host that 120 Minutes ever had. And when you put a note on this, that this was a staple on 120 Minutes, I saw it. I went, uh, now he's misremembering things. 120 Minutes didn't even exist when this song came out. Turns out that show started in 1986. Yeah. So it was around for a long time. and Yeah, I started watching it in
0: 89, I think.
1: Yeah. So, So I believe you, this must have been a staple on 120 Minutes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it was there. It was on there for months before it became like a big mainstream hit. And I I actually if you had told me that this was just like a college radio hit and was never a big mainstream hit, I didn't remember it really one way or the other.
1: It it was a really big song. It it was released in September of nineteen ninety, but l- like you said, it kind of muddled about in there until uh, it, like April May of ninety one, and then it started yep. becoming a, a huge hit. So yeah, it was around for a while, and there's a good chance that you were hearing it quite a bit before it was
0: everywhere in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, I mean, I was because I was I was cool. I was plugged in. Y-
1: you mean like my favorite joke joke about hipsters? W- What's wait, that? Wait. Let let me rephrase. My only joke about hipsters, uh, how did the hipster burn his mouth drinking coffee? How? He drank it before it was cool. It's <laughs> <That's> pretty good.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, that, that that sums up your listening uh, abilities or wh- what you listened to in the 1990s.
0: Uh, oh, 100%. Uh, And I didn't realize that Jesus Jones was not a one-hit wonder. They had one other hit.
1: Well, I think they had a couple other hits in the UK. one
0: other top 10 US hit.
1: Yes, that's true. Uh, Their two other hits in the UK wound up charting higher than this song did. The, The album that this song comes off of, Doubt, is a twenty-one track album that clocks in at over an hour long.
0: Uh, I think that's. I think that's a deluxe edition. You think so? I think so. I noticed that too when I looked up on Spotify. Oh, but you right. I had the CD and it was a single CD.
1: You're right. It's it's more like eleven tracks now that yeah. I'm looking at it correctly. But you know, I I had to go back and listen to them again because when. When I saw they're classified as an alternative dance band, I don't really think of Right Here, Right Now as a dance song. I mean, it's kind of got that kind of beat. But the rest of this album is very much a dance album.
0: Yeah. No, I listened to it. I listened to some of it. And, like, I haven't listened to that whole album in a long time. Um, the, fir- the first song is, like, a lot, like, harder rocking than I remember any of their stuff. It's yeah. fun.
1: but but then they get into this dance kind of thing you you mentioned the drum beat of this song yeah and and you hear this drum pattern a lot i feel like this drum pattern is kind of a uh live dance type of pattern
0: yeah i think so too the the when i when i listen to it i'm like i know i've heard this in a bunch of songs the one that came to mind immediately immediately was fool's gold by stone roses like stone roses one dance song
1: yeah yeah totally Uh, um Although, like that, even got lumped into this early '90s British alternative thing. Like, Stone Roses, did. yeah, yeah, oh, I mean, absolutely. They, they they were one of the biggest bands in that whole movement. They just don't get lumped in as a dance band, but I would classify them in the same category as these other bands.
0: Yeah. So you you would like put something on here about other other hits uh, of uh, 1990 and '91 uh, that weren't pop songs or ballads. Um, and there were not many
1: there there were virtually none and then I started going through more years and the truth is uh, r and dance and pop music has dominated the charts for a very very long time I was sure that I was going to get to 1992 and see Pearl Jam and Nirvana on that list and maybe Soundgarden and they did not I mean they sometimes cracked the top 10 but none of them had number 1 hits.
0: Right. Um I mean not not number 1 single hits.
1: Yeah, not like not Billboard mainstream singles. So the, right. that they're m-
0: number 1 albums.
1: Yeah, but but as as singles that were released these bands did not crack the number 1 and the the list that did um I know most of the stuff, but uh it's not really what I was listening to back in the day.
0: Right. No, I looked at the like end of year billboard hundred top songs of nineteen ninety-one and uh, like it is ninety-six percent love songs, and then there's this Jesus Jones song, there's Scorpion's Wind of Change, which is another song about current events, and then there was CNC Music Factory's Things That Make You Go, Hmm, which I don't think I had listened to until like the last time I saw it on MTV in nineteen ninety one. Ma- and wow, <laughs> is that one of the dumbest songs ever?
1: Ma- Matthew texted me this morning before we started recording and said that he was uh, analyzing CNC Music Factory's lyrics, and I had no idea what he was talking about, and now I do.
0: Um, because can we can we detour into things that make you go hmm for just a second? Oh. It's basically like a like a, a you know low rent reworking of Bust a Move.
1: Yeah, yeah. It-
0: <laughs> And like they had, they had like a whole concept to start with of things that make you go hmm. And none of the things in the song could be in any way described <laughs> as things that make you go hmm. They're just like this. Ha- these are like sucky things that happened to me.
1: Yeah, th- this is like. Uh... Alanis Morris said. Yes, ironic. Exactly. <laughs> when you was to the song, you're like, that that's not ironic. None of these things are irony. I'm not sure she knows what
0: irony is. <laughs> right. And another thing about CNC Music Factory is like when you look them up on Spotify, like many of their songs are CNC Music Factory featuring Freedom Williams, who was a member, a member of, of CNC Music Factory was like the lead vocalist of CNC Music Factory.
1: This is one of the things that I like to do on Spotify. I'm doing this uh, while we're chatting. Is I like to see monthly listeners because it it's oh, a it, it's a, cur- a current tally. Jesus Jones has about three hundred thousand. CNC Music Factory has one point five million monthly listeners still yeah. to this day. Like, who are these people?
0: Yeah, no. I mean, this is pure jealousy. Like, I wish I was, I was like as perfectly dumb as CNC Music Factory.
1: Yeah. Well, apparently, it still appeals to people because things that make you go "Hmm" has seven point seven million <laughs> listens on Spotify.
0: And it, and that truly is a thing that makes you go "Hmm."
1: <laughs> okay. Well, that's for another episode of Get Okay, in great. We'll do that next time. <laughs> I I hope not. Um. So this band. Uh, released six albums total including one in 2018 they are still together all five original members are still part of the band which means that this band has been around for over 30 years
0: that is that is really impressive yeah once once you told me that i uh i got on youtube I'm like i want to see jesus jones playing in like 2019 very good like there are videos of them playing in like tiny clubs in 2019 and uh, and they're great
1: well i we've had this conversation before on the show and I talk about uh w- w- what an advantage it is to stay in your range if you're going to have a long career yeah and and the lead singer of Jesus Jones uh oh what's his name Mike Edwards Mike, Mike um, Edwards yeah saying in a way that that it wasn't towards the top end of his range so I'm sure I didn't look up videos for more recently, but I'm sure that he still sounds pretty much the same as he did in 1990.
0: Yeah, I I think so.
1: He was producing almost all of their stuff at that point, which was much more rare in that day and age. Like nowadays, everybody produces their own stuff because it's just, it's practically like computers come with music production yes. uh, programs, but Going into a studio and saying I'm going to take over everything and do it myself. It wasn't easy to learn how to do that. It was like not everybody had an ear. So it's impressive listening to this stuff and knowing that it's all him. That being said uh, right here right now is not one of the songs that he
0: produced. Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> I was going to use that as a segue. So, thanks for ruining that.
1: Okay, go ahead and and segue from something that I didn't set you up for. <laughs>
0: That's fine. Uh, well, I mean, let's talk about like uh, the the production, the sound of this song, and then like the you know, I want to dig in on this one to like like how uh, you know what's what's the arrangement, and then like what's the structure of the song and the chord progression because it's it's more interesting than some other stuff that we've done. The first thing I noticed listening to the song is that it has a huge amount of space. And, like, I think that's true by, like, late 80s, you know, early 90s standards and is, like, especially true compared to, like, when I listen to, like, pop music today, That that is, like, the thing that is most lacking for me is that, like, you know, they have, like, filled Every part of the frequency spectrum and every moment with sound,
1: right? Like, um,
0: like, and this song, like, including like you know, the chorus comes in, um, and it's and it's like starts out pretty full, like you know, I was alive and I waited, and then and then it drops back to basically just restating the verse, and there is just not a lot playing. No, the
1: the only part of this song that's actually really heavy is the kind of guitar solo thing that they do in the middle. Right. That that's the only thing that you could really call a bridge in this song. And, you know, it's heavy crashing guitars, which, you know, for a a alternative dance band seems a little counterintuitive. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, this this was a a rock band that with with some like dance inclinations, I think.
1: Yeah. Oh, which I think a lot of uh, the English yes. rock scene was doing at that time. Like, what you're talking about with this style of drums, I you go back and listen to a lot of these bands, and it's, it's a very similar feel.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, now, you want to talk about the chord progression of this song and of the main part of it. Yeah, um, I do. Which, which, you're right. Like, to me, I was like, well, why would you want to talk about that? It seems like a really, really simple uh, chord progression, and... Uh, listeners allow to allow us to nerd out here for a minute
0: okay so first of all i mean the song starts with this this kind of bizarro introduction that lasts four seconds that i don't really get the point of yeah like, yeah do 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 like it sounds it sounds sort of like the the swedish chef doing a doing a police siren
1: right and and you're like well they must come back to that, right? No, they don't come back to that.
0: It's. I feel like there is p- a part of the song, like um, r- maybe like right before or right after the guitar solo, where it sort of creeps in. Um, but then we get to the to the main riff, which is which is following this chord progression. And like, I wanted to recommend, like, I think we've talked about him before, but there's this guy Rick Beato on YouTube, B eight. B A T O, who is like a you know middle aged record producer, songwriter, guitarist, and uh, just kind of he he does deep dives into into songs and uh, and like you know. I think it has a series called like what makes this song great. And then sometimes he'll just like, listen to the top 10 songs on Spotify and like give his take on them as a, someone who's been a producer for decades. And one thing he can do is like the song will come on, he's hearing it for the first time and he'll say, okay, uh, you know, that's a, that's a one, one, five, six, four chord progression. Like everybody uses that progression all the time. And like, I can, I can hear, like, the, the very most common ones, like the one five six four 5 and, like, after a couple times through, he doesn't even need to hear all four chords before he knows what's happening. And this song, like, I was like, okay, this is doing something quite different from that. And what it's doing is, so it's in the song is in D major, and it starts on the D, which is the one chord, and then it goes to the uh, the two the the E seventh, so so a, a two two seventh chord. Yep, yep, a major uh, two seven, and which that, is unusual. That, what's that?
1: A major two, which is unusual because yes. it, it should be a minor two if you're following regular Western music theory.
0: Right. And so and like that right there, I think, is like the moment that's the hook of the song. You can hear it in the riff and you can hear it in the chord progression during the verse, even when they're not playing the riff, that gives it kind of this like uneasy, like I didn't know we were going to go there kind of feel. And and that's uh, that's what's playing like, you know, when when during the right here, right now part. And then after that, it goes to a chord that we, Jake and I are interpreting a little differently, but like it's really it could be either an E minor seventh or a G major chord, chord, which are almost the same chord.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's almost like an E minor over G.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, and it just gives the the song the sense that, that we're kind of like just sort of stepping away from reality. Like it's. I know it's not it's not like the 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 chord change that that could give like the most tension. It's it's a it's just like a weird uneasy feeling and it works so well.
1: Well, and uh, that that major 2 chord, I don't like using this term when I talk about chord progressions, but it's uplifting.
0: Yes. If, okay, th- let me see if I can like get the microphone pointing at my guitar here so I can sh- like demonstrate what we're talking about. Here's the first chord. Mm-hmm. It's like a D sus 2 there's that seventh seventh chord
1: yep yep now w- wait a minute now now try the next three chords okay
0: so I I'm, I've got I'm just hearing it as like g d a d
1: now try it as G C sharp minor B, C
0: sharp minor not F sharp minor sorry F sharp minor I don't. I think that sounds good. I don't think it sounds like like that's like this song.
1: <laughs> we we got to call R- Rick Beato and ask him. We got to call wh- Rick. What, what's going on? The two things I want to say about Rick Beato is uh, we covered Third Eye Blind a, a few months ago, and he absolutely loves the song "Semi Charmed Life" and has a whole episode about that song. Sure. But if you really want to get a good laugh and see Rick pissed off for once, which he's. Such a, an upbeat guy, you don't expect this. Apparently, he got a cease and desist from Don Henley and/or the Eagles <laughs> uh, for covering one of their songs, and he doesn't make money off of these. Like, like sure. he, like YouTube doesn't pay him for this stuff. He makes money off of his lessons, right? But, but not off of like putting up a version of somebody's song, and. Uh, He goes off on an episode for 20 minutes on Don Henley, basically just flaming the guy, and it's hysterical.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Don Henley is, is like, known to be, like, not not just, like, way overly protective of his songs, but also just, like, a big asshole, right?
1: Right. Well... I'm probably remembering this wrong, but he claims that Don Henley was paying something like sixty people forty hours a week to scour the internet <laughs> for people <laughs> illegally using his own or the Eagles' music.
0: Um, I read a book about karaoke a couple years ago that I think was called "Don't Stop Believing," um, and uh, in the he talks about Don Henley in the book as like the guy who is of like. All musicians the most anti-karaoke and tries to like shut down people singing hotel california at karaoke
1: god it sounds like this guy just wants to air out his dirty laundry (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i was trying to come up with just the right reference i think i nailed it (laughs) what a
0: what a boy of summer that guy is
1: uh so one of the other things you uh, we're talking about how this was in a transition era um you said this is pre-grunge. So were they calling alternative music alternative music pre-grunge?
0: Yes, they were. Like that was I don't know if that was the term they were using when I didn't watch 120 minutes when it started, but by the time I started watching probably in 89 or early 90, it was it was MTV's Alternative Music show, and there was there was an alternative music station that debuted in Portland when I was in high school. So like I don't think it was later than 91. I think I think this station started before nevermind
1: it was 94 um, 7 and what was it called
0: this was an this was an am station oh so so that i know the station you're talking about um I, the name might come to me but this was this was like an am radio station that started like a year ahead of that huh um yeah How- and i remember they would play a um, material issue a lot
1: i don't even know what that is
0: Oh, material issue was so good uh do you know uh, Diane? 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 Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a material issue. Okay, okay, um,
1: but yeah, I was I was trying to think of bands that predated uh, grunge, but were part of this alternative movement prior to Nirvana and Pearl Jam appearing. I mean, the scene. Pixies. Yeah,
0: like, like um, it was like the American alternative band. Uh, you know, uh, Husker Du. The, sort the, of, cure. sort of punk rock, but sort of not really. The
1: The Cure, they, yeah, they, they weren't really dance music. They were English, but like they they were alternative, and certainly the yeah. Stone Roses, yes, which which I want to be adored. Is one of the greatest songs of all time that just that entire incredible. album
0: i think is just one of the most perfect things the world has yeah and it and it's a bummer that ian brown is such a piece of shit. yeah
1: um and rem of course like REM, yes, absolutely REM was, rem was around well before this and uh i was having this conversation with lori the other day my girlfriend uh and people who even love rem are like well, they weren't really big into losing by religion, right? And it's like, we talked about this, but that band was huge in the late 80s before they became enormously huge. Right, that's true. So so there was definitely this alternative music movement prior to grunge. I just didn't know whether it was called alternative by anybody, and if it wasn't, what did they call it? Did they it just was, call it rock music? I think music? like
0: college rock was a term that was used maybe earlier than alternative music
1: that that sounds more correct to me
0: yeah but to me like growing up at that time like this this song right here right now like is like a quintessential example of like what would have been called alternative music at this time right Uh, like right I mean and again I I didn't realize this song was as big as it was so like this was just as like alternative music started to be like oh this is what everybody listens to
1: oh when, when I saw that unbelievable by EMF Hit number one in the United States. I was like, well, that's unbelievable. <laughs>
0: oh. oh,
1: yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, I still have a debate as to whether they're actually saying what the fuck in that song.
0: Uh, I, c- you, you can anybody understand anything they're saying in that song? Well, they
1: allowed it to be played on MTV and on regular radio stations without bleeping that out so i was always like well that can't be what they're actually saying but you can find lyrics that that have been written to the song online that write it (laughs) out as that but yes that's basically somebody singing in their basement going i'm gonna write out the lyrics to unbelievable by emf today right and this is i hear this
0: there are songs that get a pass like like the song who are you like you can always hear the f word in that song when they play it on classic rock radio i don't know why they get away with it
1: Right. Um or uh, uh Money by Pink Floyd.
0: Oh don't, yeah, yeah, don't, yes.
1: Don't give me that good 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 bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, they're just like Pink Floyd big enough they get a pass. Yeah. Yeah, so who, unbelievable yeah. apparently they got big EMF got big enough they got a pass. Yeah. Uh, What's um, your
0: second favorite EMF song?
1: <laughs> I was worried you were going to ask this because <laughs> I mean there's so many to choose from. I don't know where to go to start. <laughs> I know. Well, the, I I do. I will always remember that "Unbelievable" is off of an album called "Schubert Dip" because today, to this day, I have no oh. idea what "Schubert Dip" means.
0: I I remember that when you said that, I'm like, Yep, yeah, I remember that," but I don't know what it means either.
1: It it felt like some weirdly English thing, like spotted dick, that everybody in England knows what it is, but nobody a, in the United States knows what it is.
0: That's a good question. I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> i wonder whether people in england know what schubert dip is if you're an english listener get in get in touch
1: matthew thank you for coming over did you bring the schubert dip with you
0: oh but of course (laughs) uh yeah uh Anything else we want to talk about about this song? The only um, other,
1: the only other note that I had, which I tried like listening to the song and looking into it, the lyrics and everything, and I just don't see it. Apparently, this song was heavily inspired by Prince's song "Sign of the Times."
0: Oh, you mentioned this, and I don't hear it either. I yeah. mean, except in the sense that it's like this is this is kind of our reaction to current events song.
1: Like, like, "Wind of Change" by the Scorpions. Yes,
0: it's this is our, you know, what's going on.
1: This is our things that make you go, "Hmm."
0: This is our things that make you go, "Hmm." Yeah, yeah. What if that song had had been about, like, uh, you know, the Middle East? (laughs) How? (laughs) I don't know. That's that's for that's up to that's up to Freedom Williams.
1: That's true. Uh, Who might or might not be a member of that band, right? Okay, well, go listen to the entire album Doubt. It's it's a really good album. Um, go back and listen to this song again because it still is a, a song that stands up despite the fact that it is no longer about current events.
0: Right. So watch, watch the video. It's, it's a good video.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, so check us out online: hiddenjukebox.com, facebook.com slash hidden jukebox, uh, Instagram.com slash jukebox hidden all of your favorite streaming platforms tell your friends about us and tell them to go listen.
0: Sometimes at the end of the show, I like to to talk about like a new album that I've been listening to, but as, as Jake has, I've been listening to a bunch of Pink Floyd, which uh, I, you don't need to hear about from me.
1: Well, well, and, and we've been keeping this a little bit of a secret, but Matthew took a deep dive into the grateful dead recently, which uh,
0: have we been keeping that a secret? I, okay.
1: I didn't think that we talked about it yet. Did we? Yeah, Maybe not. Yeah, well it, it it came as a shock to me but uh, apparently he really likes them. I I am not a closeted dead fan. I have always really like them but take a deep dive into the grateful Well, <laughs> if you have sure well
0: there's i mentioned this at work and there's a there's like uh as as you would expect the one one guy at work who's who's super into the dead and wants to be my mentor so that's fun
1: yeah there, there's always one of them as they say we are also, everywhere.
0: <laughs> that guy just got promoted to ceo so now <laughs> now he has two job titles <laughs> Oh uh, that's really good. <laughs> so this, is, this is 100% true.
1: Oh my god. Uh see we really do have day jobs.
0: <laughs> yeah, I work for a very small company. Yeah. Um but uh yeah. So so uh cool cool stuff the kids are listening to this week uh Pink Floyd and The Dead. Yeah. You know the the thing I realized um uh when I was when I was listening to Pink Floyd the other day is like I used to go to OMSI the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry as a kid uh all the time. And, you know, when I was way too young to go to a laser show yet, when I was like six years old, I would, I would like look at the ads for the laser show and it was always laser pink Floyd, the wall. And I'm like, I don't know what these words mean, but it's, but it sounds like a cool thing that cool kids do when they're older. And I want to do that, which I did, of course. But the thing I realized, uh, you know, thinking back on that is like, oh, that was a pretty new album at the time.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: (laughs) So this would have been like 81 that I was looking at that poster and that came out in 79 yeah
1: um and and the only other thing i'll add in here is that my high school biology t-shirt nancy lapoten just friended me on facebook and oh, yeah and i started scrolling through her page and discovered she was a huge deadhead which after thinking about it came as no surprise to me at all <laughs> i think <laughs> yeah, pre- that makes sense i'm pretty sure half of my high school teachers were big deadheads
0: oh yeah did you have Mr. McPartland? I certainly Let's did. Let's get into this. Wait
1: wait a minute. Wait a minute. Not only did I have Mr. McPartland, but let me add in here that I went to one Grateful Dead show with Jerry Garcia in 1995 and who did I run into there? Mr. McPartland.
0: Yeah, of course. He would <laughs> he would like uh, pull out his acoustic guitar and play dead songs during class.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we know that guy gets high on the weekends. <laughs> Maybe even during the weekdays. <laughs> Uh, excellent all right all, all right i'm jake amster and i'm matthew amster burton